Today, we're all looking for ways to save. That's why I want to tell you about HealthLock. What is HealthLock? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and monitors your medical claims as they come in, then flags any hidden errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To save, visit healthlock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Molly Jongfast, and this is Fast Politics, where we discuss the top political headlines with some of today's best minds. We are off for the holidays, but in advance, we made you a fantastic show today. Dana Balut of the podcast The Last Resort is going to tell us about their fantastic podcast that covers the California secession movement and the national divorce concept. But first, we have the author of the new handbook for a post-Roe America, the West Alabama Women's Center's very own Robin Marty. Welcome to Fast Politics, Robin. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Thank you for coming back. We've interviewed you a bunch of times during the SB8 when we saw what was coming, then the year of horribleness between SB8 and the leaked Dobbs decision, then that Dobbs decision, then it coming down. It's been now a couple months. How has life changed in Alabama? Oof. That is such a huge question. And honestly, I'm afraid to talk to you because every time I talk to you, things get worse. <laughs> I promise I'm not a witch. <laughs> I'm totally blaming us all on you. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so we are still at West Alabama Women's Center and we are surprisingly still open. Originally, we thought we had about three months left in us to be able to stay around, but 
we did a lot of fundraising. And so we are still here and we are going to be here until at least June of next year, according to my books. So I'm very excited about that. And it's good because we're in a pretty desperate state out here right now. I mean, state physically and state emotionally. Obviously, the need for abortion did not go away. But one of the things that has been so very disheartening out here is the fact that I think a lot of us assumed that people were going to try to leave the state. We assumed that people were going to self-manage and that they would need us to be able to help them. But the reality is we are seeing patients who do not want to be pregnant, do not want to have another child or a first child, but they are just resigned to it. And they're resigned to it because they see this as just another way that the government has forced something on them that they didn't want in a long long series of these sort of government actions against their body. They see this as another way that they are being harmed in the same way of not being given decent jobs or health care or schools, drinking water. This is just another way that the government says, we do not care about you and you don't have any choice in your future. And so that's what we're trying to address right now. One of our primary goals right now is that we do pregnancy confirmation, which is required when a person is pregnant and uninsured in order to get onto Medicaid so that they can then be seen for prenatal care appointments and doctors. We are doing that confirmation because obviously people who are uninsured can't get a doctor to confirm their pregnancy, which is what they need to get Medicaid in order to get a doctor. So we're seeing them. We're providing early prenatal care. And then we are just trying to address every need that we can. Today or yesterday, we had a patient who came in who was eight months pregnant. She thought she had an ovarian cyst. Jesus. So she did not realize that she was that far along. She's advanced maternal age, all of these other things. And so we saw her and we're getting, trying to get her referred to a hospital for a doctor who can deliver. And it'll be a high-risk pregnancy. But she's also eight months. I mean, that's like very far along. Yeah. And has had no prenatal care, has nothing. And so this is what we see in Alabama. People who don't have access to health in time to know that something's wrong. People who don't understand even necessarily how their bodies are supposed to work in order to be able to recognize pregnancy. There's a lack of health care. There's a lack of education. And there's such a lack of compassion. So you're saying to me, you're seeing people who are just resigned to this is what my life is now. Yes, very much so. I mean, it's not like they then get some check. I mean, they can't afford to do this, right? Not at all. And the thing that was so heartbreaking about this patient is that she actually, surprisingly, ended up next door at the crisis pregnancy center instead of us because they're still there. What are they even doing now if there's no abortion in the state? They did nothing for her because I talked to them a couple of times and they'd asked what we were doing. And I mentioned that we were doing prenatal care now. And if they had people who needed assistance, we could help that we're doing STI testing and treatment. If they have people who need assistance, we can help. We're not doing abortion. And an eight month pregnant woman walks in and they don't help her and they don't give her instructions how to get to us who are right next door. They told her that they didn't know where we were. So, I mean, 
Alabama, I've only been here two years, but there is this this aura of people who are in charge who will do anything in order to keep their power in place. And they don't care who they hurt. They don't care what happens to people that are not them as long as they are maintaining their power and their control over the state. What does that even mean? Like the thing you were telling me about that really haunted me, which I feel like you're going to tell me worse things about now, are the women who are in the middle of having a miscarriage who can't get treatment. Is that still going on? It is still going on. Um, We have been able to see some of them, which is good. We know that there are probably more. This is still, I mean, we're still six months in, so this is still pretty new. We are still seeing people who have gone to the hospital and who have been turned away from the hospital for whatever reason, oftentimes just to wait out and see if anything changes, if they miscarry on their own, that sort of thing. I'm very worried about next year, in all honesty, because our state, our politicians that are in charge are still zealous. We have now had six months in which the attorney general has been successful at convincing everybody, including us, that there is such a thing as a conspiracy law that would make it illegal for us to help people leave the state. And what I am very worried about is the way that that is going to get doubled down on next year, because we already know, for instance, that a group has found a lawmaker that is supposed to be proposing a bill that abortion will be illegal and anyone will be punished for having an abortion. So it will be the person who obtains the abortion as well. And that, according to the bill, includes if they go out of state to have an abortion, that they could be punished for it in Alabama. So that allegedly is going to be introduced in the next session. I've been seeing all of this pop up of Comstock Act laws. So um, Comstock Act was in the the 1900s, early 1900s, the idea that it is illegal to provide information about birth control or contraception or abortion or to provide that in the mail. This is what the anti-abortion activists are using in order to try to get the FDA to withdraw their their approval of medication abortion. And we've seen it in different state and city ordinances that are being introduced, like the one that was in Pueblo, Colorado, when they were trying to stop a new clinic from opening there. So everything that is, <laughs> is bad, everything that is the most extreme, the most Christian theocratic part of what law could be, like I expect all of these things to be tried out in Alabama, and it terrifies me because in Alabama it'll pass. Right. Is it still that if you're bleeding and you go to the hospital, they won't treat you? Is it worse? Is it a little better? I mean, well, it's difficult to tell. I believe I know that the the medical professionals have met on this, and I believe that there is some organizing and trying to find out what they are, in fact, allowed to do. Our issue in Tuscaloosa is the fact that we literally only have one hospital. So in our city, there is no option other than going to Druid City Health. That is where you go. And so that is if you are having bleeding and an issue, you would go there or you would come to us. 
And so now obviously we're in the situation where we can do an ultrasound and see bleeding. We can do ultrasounds and see, is the fetus developing? Is the embryo developing? Does it have a heartbeat? Is it in the right place? All of those things. We can do testing to make sure that the amount of pregnancy hormone in the blood level is not increasing the way that it's supposed to. And all of those things should say because of the fact that we did them, we have proven that this is not a viable pregnancy. This is not an abortion. Right. And we should be fine, but we don't know if we are. And that's what's scary about it. Because if you watch anti-abortion literature, all of their press releases lately, everything, they are being very, very specific about the idea that an abortion is an elective procedure. Anything else is not an abortion. And so essentially it comes down to your intent with your pregnancy. Did you want to be pregnant? Then you can have an abortion. Did you not want to be pregnant? You cannot have an abortion. You need to remain pregnant. So it's really punitive and nonsensical, like the Republican Party. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And it's where you get the idea of there is no medically necessary abortion, because then they'll say that whatever happened, that was not actually an abortion. That was a removal of a piece of tube that happened to have an embryo in it that was making labor making labor happen before the fetus was viable. That's what they will always use as their acrobatics around it when it's really just, it comes down to, did you want to be pregnant? Then it's okay. Did you not want to be pregnant? Then it's bad. Is this increasing maternal or fetal mortality? I mean, I have to assume it's going to. It's too soon for us to be able to see the numbers yet. I can tell you that we are seeing patients who come in who are more pregnant than would usually be in having their first appointments. So we know that that will eventually lead to to bad health outcomes because it always does. But the other thing is, it's not as much we are going to have bad maternal mortality right away. A lot of the impacts of maternal mortality is the idea of child spacing. And so letting your body be able to recover from a pregnancy before you're pregnant again. So we might not see the impact in the first year, but then as the second year comes and they're pregnant again, and the third year comes and they're pregnant again, because again, Alabama is doing nothing to try to expand any sort of access to contraception. They're just saying, okay, you can't have an abortion. So this is not something that is going to be a one cycle. This is going to be, they are going to become pregnant over and over and over until they die. I mean, is there education about birth control or no? Not so much. Um, There really isn't much in the way of sex ed in our schools. In fact, it was up until I think two years ago, it was actually okay for what sex ed does exist for in public schools to say that being gay was a high risk life that would likely kill you. Jesus. And that that actually took, I believe, three sessions in the legislature before that a bill was passed that removed that from the sex ed curriculum. I don't believe we're as bad as Mississippi, where you can't actually show a condom being put on anything. I think we are allowed to put a condom on a banana, but I'm not positive. But the reality is the groups that usually do this sort of sex ed outreach, we don't really have much in the way of Planned Parenthood down here. We don't have reproductive health care centers that are going to do that. And so inevitably, it's going to be these faith-based groups that are tapped that end up going in to do sex ed. And they are totally unscientific. 
They are, yeah, this is the, do you want to be that used piece of tape? Are you that chewed piece of bubble gum? That's the kind of stuff that they do. I don't even know what that is, but I don't even want to know. Oh, oh, the bubble gum one is great. It's, it's the idea of, okay, so if you have sex with somebody, then it's like being a chewed piece of bubble gum. And is anybody else going to want to put you in your, in their mouth once you've already been in? And it's always about the women, obviously. Yeah, right. No, man. And they're like, yeah, you're ruining yourself. Anyway, but so yeah, it's 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 very shameful, and it's mostly about making making those who who are female feel ashamed of their bodies. Wow, that is really so fucked up. Versus the I like the chocolate, the chocolate bar one, where they will actually take a bar of chocolate and everybody passes it around, and then and they're supposed to hold it for like thirty seconds, and then by the time it gets to the last person, it's all melted, and they're like, "Yep, that's what happens when you have sex with too many people. You are a melted, oogly bar of melty chocolate." Yeah, that's pretty stupid. What can the casual listener to this podcast do? I think that in all honesty, the thing that I would love to see the most is I wish that people would remember that we still have 11 states down here, all in the same region, all in the poorest area of the United States that have not expanded Medicaid. And I'm starting to, I mean, I think everybody's abandoned us over that idea. Like it was one thing when there were more states that hadn't done it, but now it's like we've moved on from it. We understand that Obamacare is not its best, it, the best that it could be. And I know that we all want universal single payer and I am a hundred percent for that. But the reality is that until we can get to that and until we can find something that will happen nationally that our states can't opt out of, we need to be pushing for Medicaid in these states down here in order to make sure that people have access to preventative health care. Preventative health care is going to get them through these pregnancies. Preventative health care is going to help them prevent pregnancies if they if they don't want to become pregnant. And I firmly believe that if we could just find one state in this group, that the rest of them would crumble. It's just because these 11 have held fast together for so long, if one of them does it, then it would shame the rest. And I'm looking at Atlanta, Georgia, basically, as being that place that could really flip things. If Georgia could expand Medicaid, I believe that Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, I believe that Texas really has a chance. But we need people to remember that that's still a fight that exists. It's not over for us. And it is literally killing people every day. So interesting. Thank you so much, Robin. I hope next time we talk to you, there will be some good news. Some bright silver lining on something. Or at least don't make it worse. All right. Thank you so much. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, 
Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Today, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. That's why I want to tell you about HealthLock. When I first heard about it, I thought it's about time. This makes sense. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and monitors your medical claims as they come in for savings. Let's say you, your spouse or kids see the doctor or other medical provider when your claims come in, HealthLock automatically renews them and flags any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. So you pay only what you owe. This is your money, your saving. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped members save more than $130 million. I get it. Medical billing errors can happen, but you should be able to pay with confidence. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit healthlock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dana Balut is a producer for the podcast, The Last Resort. Welcome to Fast Politics, Dana. Thanks so much for having me. You have a pretty wild idea here. Talk to me about California secession. (laughs) 
It's a really broad topic, but definitely not a new one. The idea of California seceding from the United States has been around for quite a while, but for this particular podcast, we focused on a group that is an interesting one. You know, it was started by two guys and uh, Luis Marinelli and Marcus Ruiz Evans, and they built a movement um, that's been around for. I would say at least the past 10 years. And they believe that California would be better off becoming an independent country and that the United States would be better off without California. They've built followers, but overall it's been, I would say it's been a tumultuous ride for this group. (laughs) Can you explain to me why they think we'd be better off separating from the fifth largest economy in the world, the rest of America? They think that, you know, America would get laws, for example, passed a lot easier, that we are culturally at our core very different than the rest of the country, and that the United States has different political values, and that sometimes it is held back by liberal California. So why not have the United States... So they're conservatives. No, the group in California is liberal. Yeah. They assume that the rest of the United States is more conservative than California and therefore would be better off, you know, passing its conservative laws or being the conservative country that they believe, yeah, the United States is. So that's why they think they'd be, the rest of the country would be better off. But frankly, they just think more than anything, they think California would be a lot better off. Right. Well, that makes a lot more sense. It does. (laughs) Tell us why California would, I mean, I think we would be screwed, but tell us why California would be better off. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of depends where you sit uh, on the political spectrum, but they believe that California as the fifth largest economy in the in the world, as, you know, America's breadbasket, as a place that has these utopian values at times would be better off being independent and would have a lot more global power, not just, you know, amongst its neighbors, but also in the world. And so would be able to play a bigger role in even global politics, in arms deals, in um, trying to spread, you know, better environmental laws and would have, you know, a lot of cards in its corner being the fifth largest economy in the world and being America's breadbasket and where, you know, some of the water comes from. So, you know, on the surface, when I first started, I was like, hmm, this is an interesting idea. Yeah, I I guess, you know, it it does, on the surface, it, it can seem like a compelling, compelling argument. For California. Just not for the rest of us. Yeah, not for the rest of the country. The rest of us are completely screwed. Tell me about the tumult. And also, I want to know, I don't know if this is them or a different part of the California secession movement, but it does seem to me that Russia was giving some money into one of these organizations. Part of that, the Russian division stuff is they love secession movements. Yes, this is the group uh, that we made the podcast about. (laughs) Yes. And that is probably the biggest uh, tumult of all. So this group, the leader, as I said, Louis Marinelli was one of the founders and the president for a really long time. Louis is a complicated character. He started out as a conservative <laughs> while advocating against same-sex marriage and was, you know, started out as a staunch um, conservative. And over the years, you know, he says that he 
made the turn and became more liberal and started this group because he wanted better immigration policies. He was married to a Russian he and wanted to be able to bring his wife over and live in peace in California without having to go through all the complicated immigration policies. So he you know, made the switch. But Lewis is someone that has ties, has long time ties with Russia. He went there first to teach English and so taught English there for a while. And then came back for a little bit, married a Russian and then moved again and became, you know, Moscow became his base while he was president of Yes, California. So he says, you know, that it was never, he just chose to live there because he likes it, doesn't, you know, shouldn't say anything about his loyalty to California. The story that you referenced comes from the fact that he struck up a friendship with a guy uh, named Alexander Ayanov or Yonov. And Alexander Yonov uh, started this group in Russia called the Anti-Globalization Movement. And actually, not just California secessionists, but Texas secessionists and Hawaiian secessionists and other American secessionists around the, the, um, around the country uh, participated in Alexander Yonov's summit that he had for anti-globalization movements across the world. So it's not just Californians that actually went to Moscow to be at this summit, but also Texans and otherwise. And uh, but Lewis, Lewis, because he was based in Moscow, became you know I guess um, friends or at least friendly with him. And Alexander Yonov gave him an office to to make the California embassy based in in Moscow. And as the FBI indictments that came out a couple months ago will say, he did receive money from Alexander Yonov, which neither one of them denies, but they, um, they say it was $500 and that it wasn't used towards a, a protest. But of course, you know, TBD on, on that. I, I don't know that I, it's hard to know what to believe, but we did ask both of them about receiving funds from Alexander Yonov and whether he had ties to the Russian government as the FBI indictment says. Alexander Yonov does deny that he has ties to the Russian intelligence. Again, I, I don't, I wouldn't, um, yeah, I, I don't have evidence either way, but yeah, mm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, why would he lie? I mean, it, why would he lie, right? So there certainly is some sense that it's possible that this uh, California secession movement was birthed in Moscow. I didn't know that it was birthed in Moscow, but it definitely had ties to it. And I would say that it received, it's undoubted uh, that it received support from from Moscow. Do you get the sense that these people are more than just chaos agents? You mean like, yes, California, the secession group? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who really believe it. But I mean, clearly Russia's interest in this has nothing to do with, you know, with California. I mean, it has to do with creating chaos, right? Yeah, I think Russian interests are uh, kind of supporting as you say, chaos agents, maybe. And although obviously that's not what they would say, but I, I actually would say these two founders did believe that, especially Marcus Ruiz Evans, the other, you know, founder did strongly and still strongly really believes in this wholeheartedly. So I personally wouldn't just say that, you know, I I wouldn't want to reduce them to just chaos agents because I do believe, especially Marcus, I do believe that he is genuine in his wanting California to secede, even if a part of it might be also ego, you know, 
male ego is quite strong and to, to be the president of something. And <laughs> in one interview, he said, well, you know, if California sees like, you know, maybe we could be president of California. You know, it's like uh, ego is a very strong actor here. It sounds insane. This is a pretty fringy movement. Yes, it is fringy, although secession movements in America. Right. Like in Texas, right? Things are fringe until they're not, as we have seen, especially over the past five years. As we have unfortunately experienced. There's a bloodless secession. Talk to us about that. They believe in a nonviolent. Yeah. Well, the national divorce idea. So basically this would be Brexit, right? Yes. I guess that's what they would hope. Except worse. Yeah. Referendum. But they think they would like for it to be bloodless. In our podcast, we really go down the rabbit hole and saying, would this be bloodless? And I, I think we land on the fact that that would be very difficult. As one of like Barbara Walter wrote the book, about uh, civil war in America and has studied civil wars globally says, you know, the most violent wars are around secession globally. They've always been the most violent wars are around land. And so it would be very hard to believe that a, you know, California could secede without blood. And yeah, and then there's a whole host of other things. The fact that Northern California is quite armed and very stands on a very opposite political spectrum than these guys or Cal exit. So it, it would be hard to imagine that secession would be, would be bloodless. Um, what weird stuff did you learn doing this podcast? I learned a lot. The Russia stuff was quite fascinating to me. I, I had heard and speaking to Alexander Yonov, which we did twice, that was quite strange. Yeah, we spoke on a Zoom call and he... I don't know, there's like weird wallpaper in the back. And, you know, there were those kind of weird moments. I spent some time with the state of Jefferson group up in Northern California around Redding. And that was really interesting to me and interesting to them as well, because I think very few people from Los Angeles, where I live, ever interact with them. But, you know, there's a very violent movement, a far right movement in Northern California that's growing. Is that like the new Idaho stuff? Yeah, yeah. Similar to that. They, you know, it's, they want to create, you know, a state of Jefferson, which kind of incorporates uh, some of the Idaho counties that also, you know, agree, you know, stand along the same political lines. They also have militias, you know. Yeah, spend some time with the militia. Uh, you know, there's, yeah, I mean, the, the United States is changing a lot. You know, I, I'm disheartened, I think, after making this podcast, sadly, with the state of the country. I think the division is a lot more aggressive, angry, and visceral than I had imagined. And lastly, I would say the thing that I learned the most, it's not weird, but quite amazing, was, you know, the land back movement that Shuteska, the host, is very much involved in. And, you know, it's an incredible movement of indigenous activists really trying to get some of their land back or some of their rights, at least, back. And uh, California has one of the most violent histories against indigenous populations. And that was something I didn't know before making this. Is there any chance that they can get some of it back? They have. They have gotten some of their land back in Northern California, other parts of the country. They're, they're starting to get some of their land back. So it is like a growing, growing movement. But yeah, it's positive in a lot of ways as well. Thank you so much. This was great. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Fast Politics. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to hear the best minds in politics make sense of all this chaos. If you enjoyed what you've heard, please send it to a friend and keep the conversation going. And again, thanks for listening.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.